KFI AM 640. I'm Bill Carroll, Halloween show. Although it seems a little early in the day to be talking like this. What's going on with the studio? Man, we didn't do this last Halloween, did we? What's, what is this? Is it Espinosa arriving here? Did she bring this? Did she bring, I don't understand why we never went this far before suddenly we've gone. Did anyone see what our boss Robin is wearing today, her costume? No, I usually that, look, but I that didn't is today. unbelievable. She's dressed as Robin. Hmm. I, I don't. I don't get it. You get it. I don't Her get name it. is Robin. I don't get it. And she's dressed as Robin. I don't. A bird. Oh, Batman's it's the same. Trusty sidekick. Oh, See, her name is Robin. <laughs> No, actually, it's a winner. Totally, yeah, are there short shorts involved? Yeah, there are. You actually. just see it. <laughs> I, hey, yeah, I'll be right weird. back. You're creating a hostile work environment. Sorry. Actually, so is Handel. Did you see what he left open on his yeah, I did. computer here? What is that? Let's give credit, though, where credit it's is almost due. A, it's a, just about naked, hairy man picture he left. This is due to Sharon Bellio, by the way, oh, is that who, who texted this? me last night and said, you and Bill, please come dressed up because we're making a big effort here. Well, thanks And for my notice. reply to her was, F off. I'm not falling for this BS. Because <laughs> you thought you'd be the only ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's the oldest Sorry, trick, Sharon. isn't it? Sorry, Sharon. And it, but instead, we're the only ones not dressed up. Now we feel stupid anyway. I thought to bring a backup costume in case. What is this? This is a handle Instagram. This It's a picture of... Apparently, it's his brother on vacation in Cabo. i got to close this. So I imagine that's kind of what Handel would look like naked. Whew. Uh, I just sent out an Instagram picture of the giant cockroaches that have taken over the room here, including on the microphone. If you want to see that, at Bill Carroll. Here's the one. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little seance here to get the show started. Uh, we ha- we got to start with some sad news. Our uh, former executive producer sometimes... Correspondent on the Bill Carroll Show, Gina Grad, sadly has uh, passed to the other side just a couple of days ago. It's uh, We're barely over it. But the good news is we think we can conjure her up in a seance. So, Rob, mm-hmm. Todd, Brian, we're all going to hold hands. <sighs> hold hands. Just right. work with me on this one. Okay. And uh, everybody just... Why is make, it sticky? No. Because I'm nervous. We're about Sorry. to talk to a dead woman. Okay, maybe we could just do like a some kind of yoga thing. A, mm, Gina, Gina, it's your old team. Don't be afraid. Gina was always so afraid of death. This is what this is so hard that we've lost her. But we, love we can Gina. just reach out. I think we have the power of radio can Gina. amplify the waves of our emotions and brain waves, and I think we can we can reach out to the the, the, beyond, the beyond the unknown and bring her in. Are you Gina, there, Gina, Gina, Grad, oh, hello. Gina, hello, Gina, Gina, hello. it's Bill. Can you hear me from the other side? I I can hear somebody. Is this Bill Carroll? Yes, Gina, it's Bill. We got you. Oh my gosh! Hi. I won't ask you Hi. how you're feeling. Um, a little, um, a little lightheaded. A little dead. Do yeah. You, Gina, I, did you do you know that you passed away? Yeah. Uh, you know, I always knew because of my felt tight body that exercise would do me in in the end, and 
I think that's, uh, I was having a lovely jog like I do every day, a nice 20-mile jog, and that's the last thing I remember. Gina, are you still with your body right now, or have you moved on? Well, both. Um, I'm here with it, but uh, I don't think I'm in it. We've arranged to have you taken to the McKenzie Mortuary. He's a friend of the show. He's a wonderful man. Don't be afraid of him. He's okay. going to do things to your body that you're not going to feel because you've moved on, okay? But I want to prepare you because I know you're deathly afraid of, well, death. And so yeah. you're going to be embalmed. This will not uh, hurt no, you. No, no, no. Gina, no, no. Gina, this no. will not hurt you. Your no. spirit, your soul has left your body. You won't feel anything. This is to preserve your beautiful body so that your family oh. and friends, we can get together and say goodbye to you, okay? so oh, just, We're going to take you to the McKenzie Mortuary. You're on your way now. Can you see that you're in a coffin? Do you see yeah, well, anything? Yeah, it's very dark. It's very, very dark in here. Uh, it feels nice and satiny, though, so that I was cool with. Well, try to think of yourself rising above. Just imagine yourself rising above and out of the coffin. You should have the power to do that now. Why oh, do you rise above the coffin? Goodness. Watch okay, yourself. Okay. You're oh, going to be wheeled. Is this Lakewood? This is beautiful. I know, well, we spared no expense. Brian's going to pay for the whole thing. He, lo he loves you that much. Oh, so he's a great guy. We're going to try to get back to you inside the McKenzie Mortuary right, okay. and get more detail. All right. All, all right. right. Thank you, Gina. I don't, don't be afraid of the embalming. I don't know anymore, but I'll check in with you later. And he's going to make you even more beautiful and prop you up somewhere so we can come and visit you, okay? Oh. Perfect. There are some flies on her. I think they're a little bit. Did you hear that? Gina Grad, uh, dearly departed. Mackenzie Mortuary, where is it, Brian? Because they're doing something great for Halloween. They're raising money for breast cancer awareness. And if you drop by and uh, buy one of their calendars of beautiful buff morticians, there are such things. Yeah, they're in Long Beach. But if you don't have the time or the interest to drop by a, uh, well, funeral home, go to your webpage. The last day of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. KFIAM640.com, the Bill Carroll page. Make a donation there and you'll get one of these calendars. Or book. Or Oh, yeah, he has a book, the too. The Men of Mortuary, they yeah. spill the dirt. Mm -hmm. So to speak. Yeah. Usually they spill it back on the coffin. Yeah. And they compact it a little bit, bang it back What do you down. have in mind for Gina, by the way? She is, she was not really happy with dying. I don't well, think. Well, that's probably the, the toughest assignment we'll ever give her. How much do you how much do you want this job? You're gonna have to, <laughs> to die, die for, for it. it. This job is to die for, and uh, yeah, she's pretty afraid of funeral homes and death and the whole thing. So it's gonna be difficult for her. But you know, death is difficult for all of us. But it's something we'll all face and have to overcome. This is the day, All Hallowed's Eve, where we stand up to our fear. We face our fear. We recognize that it's just another journey. It's just a part of the spiritual journey we're all on. Don't be afraid. That's what I'd say to Gina. <laughs> right. That's the weirdest interview I've ever done, interviewing a dead person. I've interviewed certain people I thought halfway through, are they dead already? Because I'm not really getting... That, isn't that the nightmare when you go, you ask a really complex, in-depth question? They say, hmm, no. <laughs> they stop talking. That's actually when you want to kill them. Okay, coming up next... I encountered this for the first time a few years ago, and I, I got to admit, I was pretty surprised, but it's commonplace now. Do you know what a Halloween carpetbagger is? Uh, well, I'll explain what it is, and when you hear it, you go, oh, yeah, that, I did notice that. Maybe you are one.
That's coming up. But first, Rob, what are you working on? KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. You know, if you go to the KFI Instagram page, you'll see why the picture, there's a picture of Robin, our boss, why her costume is so great. You just, I saw her. She was actually on the phone being all serious, doing some important business stuff as she was walking down the hall. I just had to laugh. Oh, you're Robin. Oh, oh, that's funny. And I don't like costumes where, you know, the guy dresses up a, a giant T and his wife is inside a big bag. And if they stand together, they're a tea bag. And I just hate that stuff. I really do. But Robin, dressed as Robin from Batman, that's just double funny. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. Michael McLaughlin. Michael McLaughlin. That's my uh, my mother's maiden name. I got a lot of McLaughlin cousins. That's how you say it, too. McLaughlin. Like you just have a wee bit too much scotch. McLaughlin. Do not use the words naked and Bill Handel in the same sentence again, ever. Thank you, Michael. I feel you. But you didn't see the picture of his brother. He left here to terrify us all. You know what a Halloween carpetbagger is? I'd never heard the term Halloween carpetbagger until, oh, I don't know, an hour ago. But I am aware of it. Once I read what they are, I was aware of it. And here's the thing. It's now in the media because apparently Slate.com, they've got this Dear Prudence column, which actually we quote from once in a while. There's some interesting stuff there. Somebody had written into Dear Prudence a couple of weeks ago, and then it took off in social media. People complaining about Halloween carpetbaggers. A carpetbagger is where people leave their own neighborhood and go to another neighborhood to trick-or-treat. That's a carpetbagger. So sometimes it can be you know, your kids, especially when they're teenagers, and then they somehow they decide, I'm not going to wear a costume anymore. I'm too cool. But I'm still going to trick or treat. Oh, that's how cool you are. Okay. And they take a pillowcase and they've exhausted the entire neighborhood. So then they cross the street and they go to the next neighborhood. Maybe they go to a buddy's neighborhood before they all get drunk in somebody's backyard somewhere and get arrested. Uh, they, they're carpet bagging. But what got the attention, I think, is that the, the person who wrote to Dear Prudence was upset about it because the poor kids were coming into their middle-class or wealthy neighborhood to trick-or-treat. They were they were being driven in. They're coming in in vans. They're not busing them in yet that I know of, but, like, people are coming. And when I read that, I thought, yeah, that does happen. I'd never seen it before until we moved to Studio City five years ago. And the first part of the night is I recognized half the kids from the neighborhood, or at least their parents. Oh, hi. Well, what do you? Hi, little Joe. Look at you. You're so cute. Is your your little? Uh, you're a vampire. Oh, here you go. Here, have a little chocolate. One for you. One for one for me. Uh, that's how I do it at our house. One for you. Two for me. And I've gained five pounds on Halloween night. Uh, but I, then all of a sudden I started to say I don't know any of these people. Like an hour has gone by. An hour and a half. All of a sudden, all these strangers are showing up in large numbers. There's like one adult and twelve kids. And I went out to the street and I looked, and under the 101 overpass, we used to uh, live on Radford Street. I can say that now because we moved. So, And there were vans parked everywhere where people were coming from out of the neighborhood into our neighborhood. And you know what? I didn't care. I actually thought, oh, okay, I, I get it. They, they want to come to a neighborhood where maybe people have a little more money and they're giving away better treats because our neighborhood was awesome. You know, instead of getting the one little 
crunchy candy thing in our little wrapper, like you, oh, that stuff. You know the stuff you throw out when you're a kid? No, no, they were getting like legitimate full-size dairy milk bars and Reese's peanut butter, like the triple pack sometimes. At the, that's what you get in our neighborhood. So that's where I'd go. See, I grew up very poor. I grew up in a tenement in Scotland. So Halloween, literally, we get apples from people. Ooh, an apple. Thank you very much, neighbor. Lovely. Got an apple? Doesn't anybody have a candy bar? An apple? And then when we moved away from Scotland, we lived in a, like a three, a four-story apartment building where we didn't really leave the building. and We just went door to door, and it was people who couldn't afford to buy houses, and the, the treats there were okay. When I got a little older, though, we realized, hey, you know those bungalows where the people with the real dough live? That's where we're going tonight. Forget this apartment building. Apples were a thing of the past. So I, I guess I can't judge because I did it, being the poor kid going to the rich neighborhood. It doesn't bother me at all. Carpetbaggers, though, are also just the teenagers who really don't want to dress up, and they're just coming around late to get stuff. That, that, and that happens from other neighborhoods, too. That pisses me off. That I start to give up. Okay, my kids are already in bed, and you're ringing the doorbell. You don't live in this neighborhood. Get lost. Get out. But all the little kids from other neighbors, I, I couldn't care less, but apparently people get really upset about that. The trick-or-treat's supposed to be a neighborhood thing. It's not about trying to get together as much candy as you can possibly get. Well, I would say we're not giving out turkeys here. It's not. I'm not feeding you for the next three months. Their kids want candies. Who cares if they come to my neighborhood? I thought it was very cute. It didn't bother me because I, I guess I can relate more actually to the poor little kids who came to the door than the rich people, the, the richer people that I live with now because that's not – I wake up every morning and go, wow, this house, do I actually live in a house? This this seems excessive to me. You could trick or treat in our house now. It's just, it's too much. It's not who I am. Inside, I'm the guy who lives in the tenements in Scotland. That's who I'll always be. And anything else feels like I'm out of my, I'm out of my element. I'm out of, I'm, this is more than I deserve. So, no, it doesn't bother me when the kids from other neighborhoods come into my neighborhood. But I know a lot of people don't like it. So, it's called uh, carpetbagging. Now it has a name, Halloween Carpetbaggers. Do you have a problem with them in your neighborhood? Does it bother you? 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1KFI. We sort of think as Rob is our uh, Bill Carroll show carpetbagger. <laughs> he comes from the newsroom. He hangs right. around like he belongs here. Really, right. He doesn't really belong here. You don't no. one of us. No. You, you, don't, you didn't earn it to be here, but here you are. But I do it because it bugs you. Carpetbagger. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> so what's news? On- KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll, coming up today at 1235, the star of one of the scariest movies ever made, Academy Award nominee and Golden Globe winner, Linda Blair, (laughs) joins us. That's going to be pretty cool, 1235 today. You want to be there for that. Go to our website, and there's a link. We're raising money, helping to raise money for breast cancer research. The Men of the Mor- Men of Mortuary and Mortuary Confidential. There's a there's a book. There's a calendar full of handsome men, and uh, you get that for your donation. So go check it out. KFIAM640.com. Keyword is Carol. Two R's, two L's. Carpetbaggers. The C in Carol stands for carpetbagger. I, I didn't know anyone had put a phrase on it, but it's uh, Halloween carpetbaggers when kids from out of neighborhood go to another neighborhood just for trick-or-treats. One woman wrote, and I guess I can sort of see this point of view, 
It went from being a local neighborhood party where you saw your friends' kids, caught up with old friends, occasionally offered them a beer, to being a big free candy festival for up to 300 people from outside your neighborhood. And it changed the nature of it, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I saw it through the kids' eyes and thought maybe they don't get the opportunity to have this much fun in a nice, quiet neighborhood where people can actually afford really good candies. Jay, you're on with Bill Carroll. Go ahead. Hey, Jay. Um, or Bill, I'm sorry, long time, first time. I'll do the cliche, but I live in Manhattan Beach, and we have kind of a uh, candy factory on our street. There's a haunted house down from us, and I think last year we went through 1,500 pieces of candy in less than an hour. But my point is the people that come from the outside, they're very grateful for the most part, and we've actually found that some of the kids in the neighborhood, they just come up, put their bag out, and uh, don't even say thank you. So to me, um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. They do come in with vans, um, but they're very grateful. So, you know, we just had this debate at my son's school this morning. So so you just like, you think the thank you's important. And if the neighborhood's kids don't give you a thank you, then you'd rather have the outer neighborhood kids. Right. And if you're not giving out the full size, like you were mentioning before, you know, my wife will say, take three or four pieces. And if, you know, they kind of look at them, they're the snack size ones. And if they don't take them, you know, they're like, that's it. <laughs> and uh, we ran out last year and had to actually go into our cupboard, and we started pulling out water bottles and beef jerky and, you know, you name <laughs> Cans it. Cans of soup. Uh, the kids must was, be thrilled to get that. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was, it was hilarious. But, I always say, uh, Jay, think, buy more because uh, Daddy's here to eat it if it doesn't go. Go ahead, Pam. What do you say about carpet bagging on Halloween? Well, we've had this um, syndrome in our neighborhood for about 10 years, and, it's, uh, you know, the numbers have increased exponentially every year and initially we thought it was really cute we were very happy to help them and i agree with the previous caller they were really appreciative and it was really kind of a nice experience but what we're noticing um in recent years is that um these people are are showing a lot of evidence of not being at all poor anymore and what, what concerns me about it is i want these people to have the american dream and part of the american dream was once you could afford it you gave back and you didn't keep taking. And I'm seeing it not only on Halloween, but in the schools where people that show a lot of evidence of, of having, you know, money, when it comes time to pay fees, they're like, we're poor. We're poor. We can't do it. So how, do you, how so can you I, tell the kids in your neighborhood are not poor enough for you to give them candy to? Well, I mean. Like they the show up in their brand new Honda Odyssey van and 12 kids pop well, out no, and you're thinking, hey, no, that's they, a with their parents and, you know, their cell phones and their, you know, iPods and, you know, whatever. This is evidence. And I, I just think that it's kind of an insult to them to always assume they're poor. You know, sometimes they're, they've done very well. They've done really, really well in our society, and that's good. But I think part of part of getting to a point where you um, are doing well is giving back and not just taking whatever. I guess, but know, I, thank you, Pam. I kind of think of it like if their own neighborhood – if they felt safe in their own neighborhood and they thought that, you know, this was a fun place to trick-or-treat, they'd probably stay there, no? Now, maybe they do. Maybe they go out, you know, they uh, they mine their own neighborhood for all the candy gold they can get. Then they come to your neighborhood, and then they jump back in the van they go to another neighborhood. That would piss me off, you know, if they're becoming professional trick-or-treaters and they're just trying to load up. Then that, that could be a bit much because then it becomes greed, right? Stacy, it's called carpet bagging, Halloween carpet baggers. Have you seen this? Yes. Bill, good morning. I don't mind it at all. I am an actually an immigrant. I came to this country when I was two years old with my parents from Cuba. 
and um, we were poor, dirt poor. And I remember still living in downtown Santa Ana in a very unsafe neighborhood. Um, and now I am blessed that I live in a very wealthy neighborhood. Um, but I, I, I think that these are kids we're talking about. And it doesn't matter where you come from. Um, it's Halloween. Give the kids candy. As long as they're respectful, um, then have at it. I really don't think that we should say, well, these people, like the other caller, come into our neighborhood. Um, I, You know, I just don't agree with that. I'm also a parent of two teenagers, and I know that my boys are already making plans to go hang out at their friend's neighborhood and go do this and go do that. But, again, and I don't even mind the teenagers. As long as they're respectful, Yeah, I just don't like when they okay. come too late. You know, yeah, if I no, turn no, the I lights agree. out because my kids are in bed, don't don't come yeah. to my door anyway. Don't do that. That really bugs me. All right. How about you, Gina? Go ahead. You're on with Bill Carroll. This Hi. isn't our dead Gina. We're doing the seance with, though. This is another Gina. Go ahead, Gina. No, I'm, I, I'm very much alive. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on your show. Um, yes, I, I live in a neighborhood, too, that is pretty much inundated on Halloween. And we, as as neighbors, have had sort of a contest where we try to keep track over the years. And we've been topping about 2,000 to 2,500 kids on a Halloween night. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Coming to one door? Yes. Coming to one door. Wow. That, but that, that's, that's insane. I, I haven't experienced that. We one year were, uh, we were on a busy street in our neighborhood and no kids came. And boy, that, you know, we got all, the house is all decorated and, we're in costume. We got all the candy at the front door and nothing. So I actually went yes. out into the neighborhood. That was the year that I bought these little chocolate shot glasses and put Bailey's Irish <laughs> cream in them. And I actually went out to the next street and started to convince that I had to bribe the parents. Please bring your kids because my kids had already done their trick-or-treating and they're young and they want to see all the costumes. Please, I'm begging you. We got like 12 kids. Uh, somewhere between 12 and 2,500, though, is the right amount. 2,500 is insane. It is, and they are my. I've taken pictures and sent them to my friends. When my driveway is a sea of bodies, it's like when you watch a concert when the doors open and people exit a concert, and all you see, see are human beings. Right. That's what it's like. Right. It's like being at the Hollywood Bowl right after the uh, right. concert ends, and they're all pouring out onto the street. She yeah. could have, she could invest in landmines. That's. <laughs> you think that might be a little harsh, Todd? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, because you're going to be in a costume tonight, aren't you? They're going to think you're the tall kid. Who's, who's the tall, ugly kid dressed as Lurch? They're just gonna... What about if you lose a limb, huh? Will it be funny then, Todd? Landmines, really? I know. That was too far. I just I'm... let the dog hang out in the front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> they go away pretty fast. Bill, you're on with Bill Carroll. Hey, you know, our situation is very similar to what she described with these large numbers of people. It's gotten so bad. Last year they had multiple police cars out there directing traffic. So it, you can get in these situations where it's completely out of control. Oh, now, see, I'm in a new neighborhood. Is this? I don't think we bought enough candy. This could happen to us tonight. Would you? She said 2,500. Yeah, we'll easily exceed that. Now, I'm calling from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina, so the situation here may be slightly different than there, especially demographically. Here you're getting 
what the one person described as a lot of um, people that are, that are doing just fine. And um, they just come by droves because our particular neighborhood is just known as one for good candy. That's your neighborhood? You're just a good candy neighborhood? I guess so. And I don't know if there's other ones, but ours has made the local news in the last couple of years. And, and I mean, you've got you know, multiple police cars out there, the lights, guys really? out there directing traffic. You know what you got to do, Bill? You guys got to get together to, like a neighborhood meeting. And start giving out just to the neighborhood kids get the good stuff. And then later in the evening when the carpetbaggers come, give the really lousy stuff. You know that really cheap, hard stuff you can't even chew? Earlier. Really? A lot of times the neighborhood kids will come earlier yeah, just to I mean. avoid the massive yeah. crowds. So save so the good, give the good stuff now. to the good kids. Where, how are you listening to us there? Are you on iHeartRadio? Well, I have, a, I guess it's kind of a little black box internet radio, which is hooked to a small little radio transmitter. So anywhere in our house, you turn on any radio and you hear KFI 24-7. Oh, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I love it, Bill. Leave your address. I'm going to come by this Halloween with my kids. I'm going to fly there and uh, go all the way to Carolina just because it sounds like his neighborhood is awesome with the candies they give out. Okay, coming up next, getting a little more serious here, although it's a serious problem if you have 2,500 kids coming to your door. I think that that would get to my, uh, that passes my tolerance level. Around 1,000, I'm getting pissed. By 2,000, you don't want to come to my door anymore. It's going to be ugly. And you're going to ask for a trick-or-treat. I'm going to show you some kind of trick. Here's my baseball bat. Get off my lawn! Okay. Wow, that turned dark. It did get dark, yeah, fast. I was channeling my dead father there for a minute, too. I could just see him. Get off my lawn, you weed! Don't you dare come up here for candy! It still wasn't as bad as landmines, so I think you're okay. Yeah, the landmines, you went too far. I think you're okay. uh, I don't know that you'll survive that one, honestly. Um, I took it seriously, that's for sure. LAX and uh, security, how it's changed. One year ago, a TSA agent was shot and killed. And yesterday, we heard about the union complaining nothing has really changed. While there was a follow-up press conference to that, the response. And Steve Gregory was at it. He's going to join me to tell me what happened coming up next. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll, Halloween edition of the show. Linda Blair is going to be with us today at 1235. You know she won the Golden Globe, Linda Blair? Academy Award nominee. Was that the scariest movie? I'm, I'm not sure I've seen even scarier since. Well, That terrified me, that movie. This was, was terrifying after the movie, but then listening to the soundtrack, what Todd's playing now, with my old stereo headphones laying in bed in, at, at nighttime. You know, I put it on. It's weird you say that because I put this on maybe three weeks ago because I like to listen to quiet music when I go to sleep at night. Shuts out the outside noises and stuff. And I like Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells. It's beautiful. Put that on. So I put it on, streaming it through my Sonos system. And I just started having nightmares about little girls' heads <laughs> spinning and vomiting and crucifixes doing God knows what. Oh, you can't, you can't as- disassociate that beautiful music from the movie now. Well, it can't uh, be done. Exorcist was a great date movie. It wasn't because she ends up in your lap, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's for a break. Inevitably. That's for a discussion. That's right? for an off-air discussion. Yeah, off-air Steve discussion. Gregory is here. Yesterday he was on talking about the uh, the union of the uh, the LAX police. There's a separate police force that uh, polices LAX, and it was a year ago now that a TSA agent was shot and killed. And I think they reacted actually pretty quickly. Because it could have been a lot worse there, and uh, some of that might have been good luck. Some of it was good training. Anyway, 
they've been concerned. They need some changes, and they were they were saying yesterday we haven't done enough. But there was a press conference following the one you and I talked about to kind of respond to some of their concerns, and I haven't talked to you since then. So. Right, and when we were talking yesterday, I was at LAX, and we were waiting for the press conference from Chief Pat Gannon, who heads up the airport police department, and we had talked about Marshall McLean being president of the airport police union. We talked about his assertions and the assertions from his membership, and we played some audio with Marshall. So by the time your show was off the air, the press conference already um, had happened there at LAX. So we wanted to come in and give you Pat Gannon's perspective on his response, basically, to okay. Marshall McLean's assertions. And pretty much to recap, uh, the union says that you know it's been a year since that shooting, and there have been no tangible improvements in security and safety at the airport. They uh, don't think that the chaos and the management behind the scenes has improved. They uh, don't think that the uh, that, that they're getting the money that they should be getting because they, they feel, the union feels, that the airport spends way too much money on LAPD officers to help right. enhance the department. Other than that, it's all good. Yeah. I mean, that's a long that, list. It's still a safe place to travel. So did they, do they agree with any of that? Well, that here's you've... Pat Gannon's uh, response to most of that stuff now. And the, the big issue was... Again, the assertion that uh, that the airport somehow last year could have something could have been done differently to perhaps mm-hmm. even prevent one death Gerardo Hernandez from being killed, and that somehow that maybe the airport wasn't that safe last year, and this is going to be um, basically cut B Pat B uh, Todd. This will be uh, Pat Gannon talking a little bit about his response to that comment. Well, see, I, I disagree with it. Because I, because the premise would have to be was that we, the reason that we had a shooting last November was because we were unsafe, and that was not the case. And in fact, the after-action report makes no mention that we were unsafe. It talks about a lot of the what happened after the shooting. It, if you read the after-action report again or browse through it, it talks about how quickly the officers were able to respond to that incident and to um, take care of business and to keep anybody else from getting hurt. That is really the key to it. That was The airport was safe in 2013. It, it continues to be as safe as you can possibly make it. Well, at least he added at the end, you can possibly make it, because if somebody died, it wasn't totally safe. Well, and he and says... And maybe you can never get to that. Every but. expert says it's not going to be 100% safe, because, I mean, sure, if, if in this all came out last year, very soon after the shooting... That if you want to start doing this where you stop every vehicle, every vehicle as it's coming into LAX, if you want to start searching passengers before they even enter the terminals, you're looking at mass chaos. Even then you'd miss something. Yeah, you're going to miss something somewhere. So he says, basically, one of the other complaints from the union is that they need more bodies, more boots on the ground. They need more officers to basically fill out the department out there. Now, we brought that up to Gannon during Gannon's press conference. Now, this will be in cut C. Uh, He talks a lot about the fact that you can put a cop at every door, and yeah, it would make things safer, but it's unrealistic. I'm not hiding behind anything about not having, wanting to hire more officers. If I thought we needed it, we'd hire. We'd hire. But the fact of the matter that on November the 1st, 2013, that my officers responded to that incident as quickly as they did, and within four minutes and eight seconds took that individual into custody that was armed with an MP15 assault rifle, assault rifle is remarkable, and it shows that our deployment is correct, and it determines that our deployment, we had a sufficient number of officers here. Well, but what if he hadn't only been targeting TSA agents? Four minutes is a long time to do a lot of damage. We only know in retrospect that he didn't shoot at innocent bystanders, but he could have. 
So that is really it's about weighing how much security do you want versus how much freedom do you want. I don't want the airport. I go to LAX all the time like a lot of people. I don't want it to be an armed camp either. That's scary too. Right. You need some security to feel safe. Too much security makes you feel unsafe. It's a it's a delicate balance. Yeah, so the union sure. says not enough's been done, and the airport police chief is basically saying they're doing as much as they can given the resources at their disposal. The union and management disagreed. <laughs> there it is. Breaking news. Thank you, Steve. You got it, Bill. KFI Steve Gregory coming up next, among other things. Uh, we're going to check in with Gina Grad's ghost. We lost uh, dear Gina recently. And we're communicating with her by seance. She's still hovering above her body as she awaits embalming and beautification and display. That's coming up. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.